When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? April 20th edition, 420 edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Yours truly, Joe Farrell, can be found online at Showdown Joe and, of course, uh, at Fightful MMA for all your mixed martial arts tweets and social media. Make sure you check out FightfulMMA.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. It is Thursday. Uh, We are joined by Frank Trigg, UFC Hall of Famer, uh, who looks like at the moment that he's cutting weight. I don't know if he's sprinted to this new location. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Frank, what's up, my man? Uh, my internet is down in my in my condo, so I had to come downstairs to the lobby of the building. Um, and I'm literally sitting right underneath a light, so it makes it look like I'm super hot, but I'm not. The because uh, I'm very friendly with the security guards, so I want them to always know it's me. You know, when I'm coming out of the door, and uh, they came and turned the air on as soon as I as soon as I sat down. So I'm I'm totally fine. It's just it makes it look like I'm super super hot. But Joe, I do want to ask you something since it is 4:20, uh, Nick and Nate Diaz day. Uh, <laughs> what are the actual this, I, on Facebook? I'm mean, getting a lot of a lot of feeds about. Um, forgive me, uh, I usually know this. Uh, your your prime minister, what's his name? Uh, uh, Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau. Yeah, uh, he's going to do some new thing with uh, marijuana laws in in Canada. I haven't read through the whole thing, but right now, what are your laws as far as let's let's just stick with what are your laws right now for. The general person, because, you know, all of a sudden you have USADA and WSADA and all these other testing things that go through MMA. And for a long time, remember, everyone used to get popped for, for um, using marijuana any time beforehand. Uh, I think it was uh, Kevin Gaslam just got caught for it. And they keep evolving and changing the rules. But that's USADA and WSADA, which, which is a, a private entity. It, it's not what the federal government says. It's not what the states say. So it's a different deal. Uh, uh, when you're dealing with those things. What is it right now, to your knowledge, you may not even know, uh, what, what, to your knowledge, what is it right now in Canada as far as the general citizen goes? Okay, so right now what's happening is uh, Canada Day, July 1st, 2018. Uh, they will decriminalize it uh, and make it available recreationally. Uh, currently right now it is available to some uh, from, for medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the laws will be changing. Uh, they're, they're already talking about you know really small fines uh, if you're caught with you know, any illegal marijuana, in essence, what you're going to be allowed. So what will usually happen, for example, in my province in Ontario, uh, the word is it's going to be available through what's called the LCBO, which is the, uh, the License Control or the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, meaning where you go oh. buy your booze right now. Mm-hmm. So you can't, here where we live, or I live, uh, you can't just walk into a grocery store uh, or a gas station or a, a, a store to buy your booze. You have to go to what's called the LCBO, and they've got stores right across the province. They've got all your all alcohol, hard liquor, beer. Uh, There's also the beer store. So because the LCBO is regulated uh, by the government, uh, they're thinking of potentially putting in, um, you know, marijuana in there. So if you want to grab some stuff, you just go to the LCBO and you can pick up whatever you want. I'm I'm sure you can't buy these massive amounts. Why would you want massive amounts if you're not going to use them? You can't sell them because that would be illegal. Um, You are going to be allowed a total of, to my understanding, four plants for personal use. and, And that you know th- that definition right there right now I'd like to see more because what does four plants really mean um you know as big as I want you know yeah. you're allowed a certain amount uh, on a personal level uh or will be 
allowed yeah. a, a certain amount on your personal level. So four plants at the home. Um, they're talking about different laws, believe it or not, for teenagers. If a teenager is caught uh, with marijuana, it'd be like a $300 fine. Um, little small things right now. Like if you, it's, it's, you are going to have to prove that it's yours, which is kind of weird. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it's going to be a situation where the, the, the decriminalization is going to be fantastic. People right now, uh, that are pro the laws changing are saying, well, why don't you just do it right now? What's the point right now of yeah. getting caught? Uh, if you have something, even if it's your own and you've grown it yourself, why am I going to get a criminal record for it when in a year and a half from now, it's going mm-hmm. to be decriminalized. It's going to be allowed recreationally. So uh, there's a, there's a bunch of debates going on right now. You are going to always have your, your naysayers. Uh, yeah. and for the most part, uh, you know, I, I've been involved in, in the marijuana world for a long time. I've got some investments that are about to happen uh, shortly. Uh, I, I've been pro uh, specifically medicinal marijuana because I've, I've seen it firsthand uh, with a friend of mine's uh, dad, ad, mine as well, uh, from stage four cancer to remission uh, to doing fantastic. So I've, I've seen it, well, friends with PTSD, um, all kinds of things, injuries, anxiety. Uh, I've seen it happen on numerous occasions where uh, medicinal marijuana has helped. Um, so I'm, I'm pro marijuana. Always have been. Yeah. Uh, always will be. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the laws finally changing. And, and you know, I haven't convinced my wife yet, Frank, that I'll be growing some plants in the backyard or downstairs or something like that. But it is. I was a, I was a typical typical athlete going through high school. I was totally, you know, I was con marijuana my entire life until about a year and a half ago. And then um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, his wife, um, who's been sick for a long time, and she uses it medicinally for her pain and, and what have you. And then I started looking at all my uh, – I was trying to get uh, – uh, Jill and I were trying to get life insurance. And I got denied because my liver, my liver was too, my liver enzymes are too high. They're like, no, your liver is like, you're, you're, you're right, you're normal, but it's just a high normal, which is too high for us to, to give you this, this uh, million dollar policy, whatever she's trying to get on me, which actually ended up working out. Cause I think she was actually trying to kill me to get the, the payout. And they're, um, <laughs> they're, uh, uh, so she's like, look, we have to get you off. And I was on prescribed. So this movie, um, the same guy did bigger, faster, stronger, uh, bell. He also did this other thing other movie called uh, Prescription Thugs. And it's how these doctors and these pharmace- pharmacists work together to keep you hooked on on opiates. And that's why there's opiate epidemic right now in the States. Uh, I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the States, because we have, it's crazy, like how bad it is that people get stuck on these opiates. Well, I started looking at my, what the drugs I was taking and the number one, because, uh, you know, obviously from being an ex they have a ton of pain. I'm still doing stunts, so I, I mean, I get you know, I get hurt all the time. So I've always got this stuff, and the, the number one side effect, you know, you get that whole you know whole side effect thing, uh, uh, causes anal bleeding, will make your eyes close and turn brown, make your nose fall off, make your hair go off, but it cures your headaches. That whole thing, the number one thing was was uh, liver damage. That's the number one thing of everything I was taking. So Jill was like, "No, you're off. You're not taking me anymore." And we started with CBD oil, and it's been for me, it's been a game changer. I was like, "What the hell was I thinking my whole life? It's just stupid." So a year and a half ago, I finally switched over. And it's been, for me, it's been great, but I'm also in, in, I've been living in Hawaii the entire time. California is getting better. Uh, Nevada is getting better, which are two main places I travel to from here. And it's been, uh, it's just been interesting to see like these differences of, of guys. We all saw Diaz up on, up on the panel after one of his fights. They're like, you know, what are you vaping over there? Like, what are you oh, it's CBD oil helps with the process of, of getting, of getting better. And then they're like, oh, he's going to get fined. It's going to be a, be a big fine. There's going to be a big fine. But I was like, I don't think they test for CBD. They test for THC, which are two different things, even though they come from the same plant. So it's just interesting to see how these, how these different states and different countries now are coming along and, and changing, especially for the athletic standpoint, because, like, I don't – forgive me, 
I think Kevin Gaslam's number was like he had literally just just like hit like five five bong hits and then got tested. It was like, what the hell are you thinking? You get tested. It's supposed to be like a twelve hour window or a twenty four hour window, you know, uh, before or after your fight. And it was like he like I don't know what happened. I got to double double check my facts, but he like got caught with like an extraordinary out number. Like his number was extremely high for no reason. Like I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But you know, it, it does make sense if you understand the the, the scientific the science behind it. So it's just interesting to me, especially on four twenty. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for those that are tuned in live right now, remember the live chat is open. Uh, feel free to put up your comments, uh, questions for Frank and myself. Uh, we'll get to them as we go along. Uh, and of course, as I always say, text a friend, tell a friend, tell them to come join us. Uh, we're going to be here for the next 40 to 45, well, about 40 minutes to go. Uh, so we'll talk uh, a variety of mixed martial arts. And because it is 420, uh, we are talking about um, CBD uh, and how it helps athletes and just people in general. Uh, cure and, and, and help out with a variety of ailments. Um, the, the whole Kelvin Gaslam thing was a bit puzzling. Uh, I do understand the Nick Diaz and the Nate Diaz situation. Uh, I know uh, that marijuana is, is prevalent uh, in the sport of mixed martial arts. It's prevalent in a lot of other sports. We see what happens in the NFL, uh, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, even in hockey. Um, to, yeah. to many, it's it's you know it's it's such a forbidden thing, or it's an it, they don't understand it if they've never done it, they don't realize it, they haven't done the research. And, and listen, that's the society we live in, and and it's you know there, there's so many different sayings, Frank. When you you know if you if you drop down to the level of a fool, you're going to be a fool. Like there's only yeah. so much education I could offer. I just tell people to Google it, man. Just Google it. Just get you know have an open mind, read about it. Watch lectures, yeah. watch videos. I mean, from from CNN to your local newscast to different documentaries, the information and the facts are overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, anyone that says otherwise, then at that point, I step away. I'm just like, okay, that's that's your opinion. It is. Yeah, what it is. and and that's the thing. I'm real lucky. Um, uh, actually, it's funny. Uh, Yancy Maduro uh, here on the island got me connected with this guy Dana, who owns uh, Hawaiian Cannabis Care. Who he's like, just talk to this guy. He's like a normal cat, like a normal regular cat. He's a scientist, which I didn't realize. And he sat down. He's the, he's the lead for getting dispensaries put together in, in Hawaii and getting it, getting it regulated and get this whole thing put together. And he just sat down and talked to me like a normal human being. And my mind was blown. Like, I had no idea about the – and, I, you know, I don't know anything about the strains and the mix of this and this color of that and the thing that this does for you and blah, blah, blah. Like, all that stuff goes over my head. So I just called Dana. Hey, look, this is what I'm having. This is the problem I'm having. What do I need? Like, what, what should I do? He's like, oh, just, you know, take uh, uh, three more drops of CBD oil, you'll be fine. Like, that's, that's, I'm that guy where I understand it enough to know who to call. I don't know all the information on it, so that's why I keep asking all these questions about it. And so I want to go back for a second. So most Americans don't understand how beer, wine, and liquor is bought up in Canada. You don't buy at the grocery store. You have to go to a specific liquor store, which is government regulated. So all the taxes, everything goes right to this government store. Are they going to do the same thing then for marijuana if it goes through the liquor, the uh, we have to go to the liquor store to buy it. That it's going to be, it's just then it's it, that's technically run by the government. So it's a government. Yeah. Okay, so it, it yeah. takes up the middleman. Yeah, because that no, yeah. exactly guess, what it is. So the, the, they'll still have dispensaries, uh, to my understanding. Right. Uh, but recreational wise, if you want to pick some up, you, you'd likely are going to have to go uh, to the okay. LCBO uh, in Ontario. It's it's different across the country. Like in Quebec, for example, you know, you want to buy uh, a forty, you want to buy some beer, you want to buy some wine, go to the gas station, go to the go to the liquor store, go to the supermarket. We oh. don't necessarily have that here in Ontario. Uh, in Ontario specifically, you have to go to the LCBO uh, or the beer store to pick up your booze. When it comes to to marijuana next year, July first, two thousand eighteen. Uh, they're saying the day after, uh, you know, you want to pick up some weed, just go to the LCBO. 
Okay. All right. That makes sense. You know, as long as there's other dispensaries running around for the, especially people that use it medicinally, where they have to get it, you know, it's like when the crap and I have to go to the liquor store as opposed to going to the dispensary I've been going to, you know, it makes, but it does make sense. Either way, the, all I know is, man, um, so like, cause I've been going to Cuba a lot. Like I go to, I used to go to Cuba a lot to wrestle. Uh, when I was in the U.S. team, you go to Cuba all the time. And I kept saying, if we would just open up, Rum, coffee, and cigars with America. Now, Canada never had this. You guys didn't have the sanctions against Cuba. America did. So we were like, we wouldn't, we had this huge embargo. We wouldn't bring anything in from Cuba. I go, if we just lifted the embargo on their coffee, their wine, or their rum, and their cigars, we revitalize their entire economy. Like, we, we get them, we get them out of bankruptcy. Um, look at Colorado, look at Washington, look at Oregon. Like, these guys are, because the taxing now on marijuana, since they made it. Uh, uh, legally, rec- legally, recreationally, the taxes that the government is collecting on this has been—it's been amazing. Which trickles down to—I don't know how it works in Canada, but at least in America, it trickles down to schools, roads, training facilities. Like we're talking about kids, and I know this is a, a mixed martial arts podcast. Now you're talking about free because it's government-funded. You get free classes now for boxing. You get free classes now for wrestling for youth, youth wrestling. Free classes now for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for youth because the government has all this surplus of money, so it all trickles down. It takes some time. Uh, and to go back to your answer, the reason why, and you know this, but the reason why it's not legal right now, like the, you know, why in a year and a half from now, you, if you bust me right now in Ontario, I'm going to get a criminal record, but in a year and a half from now, it's completely legal. You know, why is that? Because the government moves at a, a snail's ass pace. It takes forever to get all the regulations and get everything in. But I'm pretty sure every judge that this goes before is be like, dude, you had an ounce and a half, you know, hundred bucks and get the hell out of here. I'm not putting this on your record, like pay court fees and get out of here. I don't know how it's going to work in Ontario, but that's been happening a lot in the States which the judges are just like, we don't care. The cops don't even care. Like, look, we don't even, it's going to be legal. Or it's, it's about to be legal or you're, you're a gram over, you know, what you're supposed to be. We don't care. We just let it go. And then you see all these athletes. Now I kind of got to be honest, man. I'm watching these athletes train in every sport. Cause I work out with a lot of different professional athletes in different sports. They're training better. They're sleeping better. Like it's it's the overall benefits. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Adam Ball is on the live chat right now, Frank. So he totally agrees with Frank. But now the major problem is the corrective measures taken by the state governments here in the U.S., which has led to an all-time spike in heroin overdoses. Not too sure yeah, what's going on with that. Yeah, but. Um, yeah. We have actually there's there's been a little epidemic here in uh, the island. I actually had to go pick up Jill early from work last night because there was literally a group of guys, like twelve guys. Uh, smoking crack and shooting up heroin on the right on the street, like right right across, wow. like right out in front of her store, and they're not, and you know druggies are nuts. Like trying to trying to get in a fist fight with four guys that are trained is really difficult. Even if you're superior trained and have superior you know superior uh, uh, tactics against them, it's really hard. Trying to fight four drug addicts, like you have no idea what the hell's going to happen. Those guys are crazy. So it was like I was stepping myself into one of those things because they were doing stupid shit, like throwing rocks at windows and, and throwing yeah, cars passing by on the street. And, and the cops can't do anything unless someone can specifically identify who that person is. And it, the cops finally, they were able to get down and do something about it. They went down like, oh yeah, the guys were, they had like tons of heroin on them. Not tons, but you know, each of them had heroin on them. That was their thing. Like there's an epidemic now going around the States. And it's, I have no idea why one correlation to the next, but that's what's happening right now. Yeah, Kyler James also on the uh, live chat saying my brother uses cannabis for uh, FB uh, in Toronto fibromyalgia. Uh, so yeah, it's I, I listen. I know a lot of people 
you know, whether it's edibles, whether they smoke it, whether they vape it, uh, it helps a lot of people, and especially in the mixed martial arts world. Uh, I do want to ask you, I want to get back uh, to some MMA stuff. Don't forget, uh, peeps, live chat, any questions, uh, get it up there. Um, sorry, sorry, I hijacked the beginning. I apologize about that, but it was like, it's 420. I'm no, it's 420. Go. Yeah. It's 420, right? It's absolutely uh, a, a perfect conversation piece. Uh, and I'm sure some way, somehow, we're, we're probably going to get back to it. Uh, I do want to ask you one thing, though. Did you watch the the date or the season premiere of the Ultimate Fighter last night? You know, I did not, and this is this is the reason why I have not watched a tough since season. Well, season three, really. I started watching season four, which was the first, which is the first redemption that they did. The season four, uh, that's where uh, Matt Sarah came out came out of it, and then ended up being GSP. Uh, yep. he, Matt Sarah wins the wins the show and ends up being GSP. I haven't really haven't watched it since then. I go back and watch the fights a day later, and because it's it's only you know coming up on seven a.m. here, I haven't had a chance yet to watch the fight from last night. I just don't care about the antics in the house. I don't care about the storylines and the and the drinking and the and the let's get in fights and the you know all the drama they try to put in for the house. I just don't care about it. All I care about is the fights. So that's why I go watch. I watch the fights. Yeah. Well, the reason why I ask, and it sounds sort of strange, because I do want to ask you a ton of questions uh, regarding Dana White. Dana White did not look good on that show physically. Uh, he looked physically overweight. He looked like, I mean, we have to remember this show was recorded a few months back. He, I mean, I saw him in Buffalo. At, at a distance, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything, uh, you know, hey, Joe, how are you, blah, blah. We, were, we didn't get to that. It was just he came to the post-fight press conference and then he left. It wasn't like I was anywhere near him. Um, he, he looked different from the last time that I saw him because I haven't seen him since July of last year in person, maybe two years ago, I don't remember. But on the show here, he did not look good. He like physically, he did not look good. He looked like obviously he gained weight, but he just looked like he had been broken down, stressed out, out of his mind. So, this is all my opinion. This is all my personal opinion. Um, his mentioned ears disease, the, the ear thing that he had a while back, I don't think it's fixed. I okay. think it still bothers him. And Dana, Dana, the reason why Dana, Lorenzo, and, and, and Frank Fatita all got, got along very well is their passion for boxing. They have a real big passion for boxing. Um, and they used to train together all the time. Like we're talking like, you know, there's, there's rumors running around, you know, you'd have to be in the Jimmy Gifford would have to be in the dungeon over at the Red Rock headquarters um, downstairs in the basement uh, to train with Lorenzo at like 6 a.m. Like he'd be in there. And this is the guy that owns the casinos. He's in there running around at 6 a.m., smashing mitts, hitting the heavy bag, hitting the speed bag, like working his ass up. And then after he gets done with that hour workout, hit mitts, would go lift for an hour. And so these guys are like super physically fit. Um, because of the sale, uh, one, Dan, Dan is not working out as much. That's my point of that. He's not working out as much as he used to. So as a result, when you don't work out as much, you put some weight on, and you get older. Like, he's not like he's 22 anymore. We see him all the time on TV, so we always have this opinion of he should be in great shape. We see him all the time, but sometimes you don't. you got stuff going on. Now, let's not forget, um, he gets bonused on how well the company does uh, uh, at the end of the year, and that's part of his pay, part of his reason for staying. He didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to be uh, – an employee, you want to be a partner. So as a result, being a partner, you have to bring money in. I heard, Joe, you might know better than me, I heard they had to take out another loan. You had to take out another loan to maintain what they're doing, and they already have one other loan already out there that they're trying to pay back to begin with. 
So people are like, wow, the UFC's got all this money. They got all these things going on. Look, all this money that, you know, you know, I just saw a thing with McGregor and the Mayweather deal is getting closer. Um, and the numbers are coming out, 75 million for McGregor. Uh, this is Dana White saying, and then a little, little north of 100 million for, for Mayweather if the fight does exactly what it's supposed to do. So like, all this is pressure and all this is like weighs on you. And so what do you do? You have to make your mind up. Am I going to spend 20 more minutes on the phone? I'm going to spend 10 more minutes working on this next deal. Am I going to spend two more days working with, with McGregor to get this deal done? Or am I going to go work out? Am I going to, am I going to lift? Am I going to go? And this happens with every CEO in business. They have to make a decision. I've only got 24 hours in a day. I've got to sleep four of them. So what am I doing with the other 20? And like, well, okay, I can't take that two-hour workout anymore because I got to keep this thing going. And there's been a lot of times when you look at, when you look at Dana, um, love him or hate him, he takes the entire weight of the UFC on his shoulders no matter who – the owners are, no matter who his partners are, he carries that weight. And I kind of get the sense that back when the show was, was going on Redemption, there was a lot of stress going on in the show or in, in the company that was also going on in the show that a lot of things were happening you know, throughout this whole mess. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to see him. We're going to get snippets, like you said. You haven't seen him in person in two years. You're like, oh, well, he looks totally different. Oh, now I see him on the tough show. What's that, what's that snippet mean? But well, that was shot, what, two months ago, three months ago? So what's, he, what's yeah. he like now? Oh, I saw him in Buffalo, but I saw him from 100 yards away. Okay, well, we don't really know. And really, what's going on? It could have been he just had a fat day on, on the first shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just the lighting, just the way the camera is. You don't know. And Been there, the done that. Yeah. You know? What the fuck? Like, today, I look like I'm sweating. I'm not sweating. It's just, you know, it's just what happens. So who knows? Yeah. Oh, man, but God, I, I hope, uh, uh, I will say this, the, the, uh, the better he looks on camera, you know when he's doing that pre stuff with Joe with Joe Rogan before the big pay per views, the, the the better I feel about the about the company. Like I think, oh everything's going okay. There's no stress in the background. All these fights are gonna go off without a hitch because there's he looks good, so everything must be okay. That's kind of my mentality when I see when I see uh, Dana looking good. Yeah, guys, live chat. By all means, uh, throw up any questions, uh, suggestions, or comments for Frank and myself. Um, we all have our relationships, Frank. Uh, we all know Dana on different levels, uh, on, on a personal level uh, and on a business level. Um, do you remember the first time that you met Dana White and how it went? Uh, holy crap. When was the first time? He still had hair. Um, let's see. Yeah. I, met, I met Dana White. Uh, was I already with the UFC? Yeah, I think I already signed with the UFC. I, I don't think I met him until after I was already got with the UFC, which was strange. Back then, Dana did a lot of the signings in person. Him and Joe Silva would actually come in and meet with you. But because I was fighting in WFA, it was a totally different organization yep. that when I came over, it was, a, it was a totally different different ball game back then. Um, and but shoot, back then, you get a hold of, you could actually call Dana's office. He picked up the phone. <laughs> it wasn't like five-level security. Um, we've had a rocket, a ro- rocket enrolled kind of relationship. Um, you know, I've always I've always respected him for for his job that he does with the UFC and his job as he does with the as being president of the company and, and running it. You know, and taking it from being illegal in forty eight states in the United States to now making it basically legal in everywhere in the world except France. You know, it's like this guy is he he you know spearheaded in Ontario, he spearheaded in New York, he you know all that kind of stuff. That like you have to respect him for that. But we also run in different circles. And when I was doing media, I was always the co-host. I was never the host. So like when you and I would work. He's going to approach you way before he approaches me. I'm the, I'm the sidekick. You know, you're not going to talk to Robin. You can go talk to Batman. And that's what he would do. He'd go talk to Batman. So, like, for me, even from a business standpoint, you know, and I've got a mouth on me. And I, and I don't have a filter. I don't have an opinion. So, and I have an opinion on everything. So, he's definitely, like, I've definitely said some stuff that has really rubbed him the wrong way, for sure. And then, of course, add into the fact that I was working for Pride 
you know, after he fired me, I went and worked for Pride as a commentator. And it was back when Pride was in his heyday. So I had to li- literally be like, no, our fighters are way better than your fighters. Like, that's just, like, you know, Vanderlei Silva's going to beat Chuck Liddell. This is just what happens. And then uh, uh, then Adam Jerry Millen throwing me underneath the bus when the sale happens because he's trying to save his job so he can work the UFC, so he's going to throw me underneath the bus, you know, at the end of it. It's just like, who knows, man? You know, Dan is a, million, a multimillionaire. I'm barely a pennier. So we don't run the same circles. We don't eat the same restaurants. You know? So I'm not going to see him that much. I don't hang out with him that much. But I couldn't tell you. Like, he's never said, to my knowledge, publicly, he's never said anything negative about me publicly. But I'm sure he's been like, you know, there's been a couple of, you know, fuck you to this guy behind the scenes, for sure. Um, have you ever been backstage after one of your fights with, with Dana, um, you know, where something has happened? Have you seen him react in a manner where he goes crazy behind, you know, behind the scenes? Or Because I've never seen him freak out before. I know he's been upset on numerous occasions, but I've never seen him lose his marbles before. And I'm, he's got that personality where you assume uh, he's going to lose his shit. Have you ever seen it before in person? I've never, I've never seen it, but I heard it behind closed doors in, in, in one of the other guys' locker rooms. Went and shut the door and had a, a complete, like, absolute fucking meltdown of a, of a screening match with this, this, uh, with this manager um, backstage. It was a little disconcerting. We were like, hey, shouldn't security go in there and kind of break this up? Because behind a door, you don't know what's going on. You just hear the yelling, the screaming, and the, the vibe getting up. But I didn't physically see it. Because, like I said, he went inside of, inside of a closed door. But uh, 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 it, I would have been very interesting to be a fly on the wall in that room. I mean, because you only got you only could hear bits and pieces of it. You can't hear through everything that was being said. But it definitely was heated in, in, a, in a complete freak-out conversation. Did you ever have to negotiate uh, your contract with Dana? No, no. Uh, uh, so uh, Rico Ciparelli did the first initial uh, uh, contract negotiations when I first got the UFC and when I came back later you really, you know, I didn't need a manager at that point because it was just Sean Shelby going this is the money we got, we can't give any more, take it or leave it, you know, so there, was no, there wasn't any, really any negotiation and I didn't have any power to negotiate anything, like I wasn't like I was coming from another organization, I'd left on an eight fight win streak, was a champ in two different smaller promotions and had some negotiating power, I won like three fights in a row and they're like yeah we need you back at the, at the weight class uh, uh, you know what do you want to do, this is all we got, good luck and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to take. So I never had to negotiate with him. But I understand that he's a, a fierce negotiator when it comes down to, which is one of the reasons why it's taking so long for the McGregor-Mayweather fight to get together because he's got, he actually owns, technically he owns McGregor. So he has to work out the deal. How much of what you make over, you know, over in this boxing match is the UFC actually going to take? Which is when Mayweather came out a little while ago, I was like, okay, Dana's going to take 80%. But that's what he's talking about. He's trying to take 80%. And Dana went nuts. Like he flipped out on everybody you know, uh, publicly. You know, Mayweather doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's fucking crazy. But he's like, well, no, that's kind of what you were talking about. Because McGregor only makes a certain amount when he fights. $75 million is way over that top. So if he only makes $25 million, what's, what's Dana taking? He's taking $50 million. What's three quarters? So it's like, okay. So you have to, like, that whole thing takes it. But he's a very severe, uh, fierce negotiator, I've heard. I'm glad I never had to negotiate my contracts with him because I think it'd be, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. Yeah, the challenge with negotiations, though, is, is you know, 
Uh, I can give you, you know, hundreds of examples, but it, it, when, you, when you're negotiating with anybody, it all depends on your own position versus what... They- Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA, members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They have to offer versus their position, right? Uh, if you're just like you say, uh, a penny air, like yours truly and yourself, and you're negotiating with a multimillionaire, they, when they give you that take it or leave it, you're kind of like, oh, man, uh, yeah. I could use this money, right? Whereas for them, it's like, nah, they're, they're, they're going to give you a small piece of, of nothing because they're going to make so much from it. So they can basically say whatever because if you don't accept it, there's other options. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you come out and it's whenever people talk about that kind of stuff, um, I, I equate it back to a, a couple of friends are professional baseball players. And one was making, you know, a million and a half, two million a year playing playing pro baseball, um, which is a lot of damn money. You know, if you and I are making two million a year, we're squared away. Like, we're, we're good. You know, you don't, you don't need to make much more than that. And one of our other buddies was making 18 million a year. And you're like, okay, well, you know, from my standpoint, I'm like, both of you guys are fucking loaded. And then it was interesting to talk to the $2 million a year guy. At the time, I think he was making 1.5. He's like, yeah, like these guys go out and have like $10,000 deals, you know, dinners, whatever. And they, you know, they rotate who pays and this and that and the other thing. And you're like, he goes, I can't go with, I can't maintain that. I can't go out with these guys. I can't go out and buy a new house every month. I can't go out and get a new car every, you know, every time my wife gets a wild hair up her ass because I'm, I'm only making a million and a half. Like I actually have to budget and pay attention and, and like put my stuff away in finance. And these guys are making like 18 million or 12 million. They're like doing whatever the hell they want. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess that is kind of like when you get into negotiating with someone, if you have, if they have all the power, all the, all the money, they have all the power. Because you, the guy with 18 million goes in the restaurant and goes, look, we're having a $10,000 meal and you got to pay half. And you're like, dude, my budget for the whole month on extracurriculars is five grand. You're going to kill me on one night. Well, this guy has like 50 grand a month to spend. He doesn't care. <laughs> you know, it definitely changes the game when the guy has all the money. And, and let's be honest, though. It wasn't like Dana woke up yesterday and, and he had an uncle that died and gave him $360 million. You know, he, he worked his ass off. He's been poor before. He worked his ass off to get to the top. So he's got, he definitely has all the power, but he's earned all the power at this point. Yeah. That, and so, I mean, when it, when it comes to, you know, negotiations and stuff like that, and, and I totally get it. I've, I've been around professional athletes where, you know, I, I, I will also say, I'll give you an example of a, a certain UFC welterweight champion at one time. Um, we, we were in Vegas together, and I did anything and everything possible to not necessarily avoid his his texts because he wanted to go out. He's like, we're here. Come here. We got the VIP booth. We got this. We got that. I don't know if we're at the Bellagio or, or what club it was. Uh, we're here. We're there. We got this. We got bottle service, uh, blah, 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 blah. And I was kind of like I was looking at, um, you know, someone that you know personally as yeah. well uh we'll just say my boss back in the day uh <laughs> and i would look at him and i'm like dude you, you realize if we if we go this is going to be a thousand dollar night for us if not more each yeah right and he just kind of went yeah yeah 
yeah, uh, we, we, yeah. Let, let's just just tell them that we got to shoot in the morning and tell them we're busy and blah blah. <laughs> so and, <laughs> so we're sitting there, and I'm like, uh, okay, like, what do I do here? Because then it hit both of us at the same time because we've been drinking, and, and we had both said to ourselves, "Wait a second, when can you ever tell a story that you were in Vegas with the world welterweight champion having an extremely amazing night in the town?" And we just looked at ourselves and we said, you know what? Okay, our budget's $1,000. Okay, yeah. if we're going to spend $1,000, it's, it's going to be the story of a lifetime. Long story short, it was arguably one of the greatest nights I've ever had in Las Vegas, and it didn't cost me a penny. Yeah, it didn't well, cost that, my boss a penny that, because that this person, this <laughs> that champ, yes. So the reality is this, Frank. So while we were there uh, – I looked over at him. I looked at his uh, – who was there? Uh, his, um, his lawyer and his accountant. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, hey, uh, you know, we're here courtesy of his invitation. I pulled up my credit card, and he pulled out his credit card, and we're like, how much do we owe? We'd like to chip in. And they just looked at me, and they're like, Joe, he invited you. Get out. I said, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I, we're here. I'd like to, you know, at least – pay for whatever I, you know, we drank and ate and blah, blah. And they're like, get out. He paid. And then I see him running around and he's like, Hey, just order another bottle. I'm like, I know I don't want you to, but you know, whatever. And he's like, no, no, dude. He goes, I'm comped. Yeah. This is all taken care of. And I said, okay, credit card back in. Let's have a good time here. So it, yeah. it, it was one of those things. But you get into that situation. I'm sure people right now on, on the live chat, people listening in uh, either live right now or on, on you know, iTunes and Stitcher later on, you have that friend or friends that are very well off that when they say, hey, let's go out for the night, you're kind of like, oh, I'd love to, but this is going to be expensive. I don't know if I can do this right now. Kevin Hart did a whole he did a whole stand up on this on this exact situation where he was like, oh man, you guys, are, you know, I got to watch out my bank account. I'm not really sure how to do it because you know you think everyone thinks you know, they see on TV, they think you got money and it runs around, but it also too depends on the city you're in, like in Vegas. I can't tell you how many, you know, twenty five thousand, thirty thousand dollar a year uh, billionaires there are that run around that town. They know the right people, they know the right spaces, they know how to get comp, they know how to get in, they know how to get out, they get, you know, get this meal taken care of, that meal taken care of, just tip here, tip there. It's crazy, like how they pull it off. And then you're just like then add in a guy that like like that particular champion, you're like, dude, when he came to Vegas, it was they didn't care. They they opened up the banks for him. They didn't give a damn. You know, one, because Dana and Frank loved him, so they would help out calling in and getting him set up, but then of course everybody loved him. <laughs> so it just made sense. Oh, what a, it was! I can't even imagine the, the 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 fun you had that night. More than likely at Caesars, yeah. not Bellagio. Because well, Caesars is where we started. That's okay, where, yeah, that's, where we that's started. Spot, yeah. yeah, we actually just decided to go all vintage because uh, it was at Caesars uh, in one of the lobby bars where I had pitched the idea uh, to Sportsnet of of UFC Central of a magazine show that would that would recap UFC events, preview UFC events, uh, do profiles on fighters, breakdowns of fighters, uh, and, and that's where we decided to go back there to, to, just to celebrate that. Look, look. The day that we were here, pitched it, and now look at us back here. We got a TV yeah. show. We're doing fantastic. Ratings are amazing, blah, blah. And then this person kept texting nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I'm kind of like, like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm making good money, but I don't make millions. I don't make that you know? money. I, 
Yeah. So, but anyways, you know, I, I will always be able to tell my son, uh, and then whenever he has kids, that I partied uh, and had a, an amazing, numerous times with various champions uh, under the Open Fighting Championship yeah. banner, world champions. Uh, that took care uh, of yours truly. Um, back on the, uh, on the Dana White tip, if you don't mind, just to discuss a few more things, uh, you know, regarding Dana. Yeah. You, you mentioned, and we, we all know, we know the story. He, he started off, you know, on the bottom, made it to the top, right? He, he worked his tail off. Um, they say that money, when you have money, um, wait a second. G money. We're talking Matt Hughes. I'm assuming you don't know me very well, sir. No, not, <laughs> I'm at not all. talking. Like, that's, that's funny. Yeah, Matt not at all. yeah. No, that's <laughs> Joe him. Joe and him don't hang out at all. <laughs> like not even remotely. That's like no, a better hot. shot of me and Matt hanging out than Joe and Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Matt Hughes that's and I funny. are high by. Uh, not high by. Hi, how are you? How's things? How's the yeah. families? And, and that's it. No, the 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 world champion I'm talking about um, uh, has been a friend of mine for for quite some time. Um, they say money. No, no, don't worry, G money. I know you put whoops, lol. Don't worry about it. It's 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 cool. Um, money changes. They say money's the root of all evil. I disagree. Money changes people, kind of. Money brings out the true personality in a human being. Meaning, if you're a jerk, you've got lots of money. You're a bigger jerk. If you're a giving person, when you get lots of money, you're a giving person. Me personally, uh, I have lived uh, a good portion of my life, um, not so much now, but a good portion of my life where I had a fair amount of money. I made some good money, uh, and I don't feel I've changed. I actually asked my friends this. Did you see a change in me before I became Showdown Joe when I was at my peak with the TV show? And they're like, you're the same dude. You've always been the same dude. In fact, you were just yeah, nothing. Like you were, you, Not that you were nicer, not that you were worse. You didn't take shit from people. That was true. Uh, you know, now you're kind of more reserved, but I don't think I changed. People that I know that have money, Frank, they're, they're you know, they're, they suffer from a, you know, the, the, a disease of douchebagitis. And there's people I know that have lots of money that you wouldn't even know they've got the money. What yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Dana White who started at the bottom, made his way to the top. Do you think he's changed in a manner from where he was before, where he's a more negative person, a more positive person, or just the same guy with just those elements enhanced? You know, it's tough to say because I didn't know him very well. Um, when he was when he was super broke, you know, when he was just teaching jazzercise and, and, and judging bodybuilding competitions in Vegas. I didn't know him back then. I didn't know him until he was already, you know, in a sport, running a sport that I want to be a part of. And, and he was in control of the, the purse strings. As far as we know, we didn't back then. We didn't, know, we didn't realize that Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta, we just knew they were the owners. But we kind of thought they just hung around and were like, oh, yeah, we bought a company. We're just kind of chilling. We didn't realize they're as as involved. So we just thought everything came through Dana at that point. So we definitely were trying to get on Dana's good graces. I didn't know him well enough back then to know, but I will say this. People that say that money is the root of all evil are people that don't have money. Because Boom. if, and people that say that, that money, you know, money will never change me. Money will never change you. Bullshit. A hundred percent. You give me enough money. You motherfuckers will never hear from me again. I am gone. You will, you will get a handwritten note from some stupid ass courier is going to show up and go, Here's his new phone number and here's his new address. It's gonna be a landline on some island, and you're never gonna be able to get a hold of me. I never you keep calling. I'm never gonna pick up the phone. You send me an email. I'm never gonna answer it. I am gone. Like you guys are not gonna see me anymore. And that's the life that I wanted to, to wanted to build for myself. Is like I don't have to worry about once I get to that stage of, of income, I'm done. Like I don't. I'm not gonna hunt it. I'm not gonna chase it. You look at guys like uh, um, Warren Buffett and the guy that started uh, uh, GoDaddy and um, uh, Bill Gates. They're giving away. 
uh, uh, 90% of their total worth when they die. Not, Warren not, apparently is going to give away 99% to the yeah. to the charities of his three kids. Holy yeah, smokes, he, uh, man. I think, I think Warren's the one that started this, but it's like these multimillionaires all get together and they make a pledge that whenever they die, they're giving away basically all of their wealth. You have to give some of your kids and you know stuff like that, but I think you have to give. I think the, the minimum you can give you are allowed to say you're giving away is 90%. They prefer to give away more, but you have to give most of it away. And uh, those are just, I mean, anybody that's ever worked for, for Warren Buffett has, ne- has never said a negative thing about him. You know, he, uh, uh, Chael Sonnen, uh, I, I guess, got to meet Warren when he was on the, on the, uh, what the hell was that, the show called, what used to be Trump, now it's Schwarzenegger. Um, oh, the, the Apprentice? The Apprentice. When he was on The Apprentice, I guess he got to meet Warren Buffett. He's like, yeah, the guy's like a normal country, you know, country kid, and that's what Chael is, so they had a lot in common. They got to talk and have different conversations, and I guess Chael was trying to make a, make a, a, a candy that he would like, or would invest in, or I don't know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, he's just like a normal cat. So I agree with you. The more money you have, the bigger your personality, like whatever your normal, uh, actual, true zero personality is, it's definitely going to come out when you have a ton of money, for sure. And I, when it comes out of Dana, I, don't, I didn't know those guys. Like Lorenzo, I, I, I've never known him to be but nice to me and cordial and, and fully respectful to me. But when he is upset with me for any reason, he also comes right to you, doesn't hide it, doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't uh, uh, um, uh, mix words, whatever. He comes right at you straight forward. He's like, hey, what the fuck were you thinking when you did or said this? And then you explain yourself away. And if you explain it to him or apologize, he's like, okay. And he's just kind of over it. That's just how he deals. Uh, with Dana, that's Lorenzo to, you're saying, right? That's Lorenzo. Yeah. Dana tends to hold, at least with me, in my experience, tends to hold a grudge a little bit longer. He tends to hold, like, if he's mad at you, he's mad at you for a long time. You know, but he also, too, if he respects you and loves you, he takes care of you for a long time. Look at Hughes. You know, look at Liddell. He loves and respects those guys. Those guys really did nothing for the company after they retired. But they kept getting paychecks up until just recently. Like, he was taking care of them. You know, and that, that's kind of his, his game. Um, he takes care of his friends, and and he uh, he steps on his enemies. It's just kind of how it works. I don't know if that's where he was when he was when he was poor. I don't know enough about him, and we like I said, we never hung out at that at that stage. But I gotta think now with with uh, 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 the more money he has, the bigger his personality is. You have to be really nice when you don't have any money. When you have when you can when you got what we call fuck you money, you know what? Uh, you can't afford that Maserati. Fuck you. I just go buy it. You know like, what? Uh, you know we've all heard the stories like he's pays like some like I don't know. I say five grand, but I don't know if it's five grand because he has a water slide in his house that's above the fence line. And so the HOA of his area is like, that's a fine. And then he use, overuses all this water, so they have to pay another fine. So he's like, yeah, fuck you. I'll pay, I'll pay the extra five grand a month instead of shutting my water slide off or bringing it down lower. He's like, fuck you, I'll just pay it. You know, that's fuck you money. When you have that kind of money, you're like, eh, you know, what kind of personality? Well, you're a little over the top? Okay, you're a little over the top. That's just how it's going to go. Yeah. Um... You know, one of the questions, Frank, that I get asked all the time. Oh, wait a second. Uh, Adam Ball says, amen, Frank. I'm going to assume towards the, the beginning of the money rant. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. TJ Day fins for life. He's getting all MMA on us. Should Benavides fight Elliot and winner gets Muddy Mouse? I say no because the winner of Sergio Pettis – well, if Sergio Pettis defeats Henry Cejudo, yeah. I think there's your next uh, title contender yeah. for Muddy Mouse Johnson. And didn't uh, – uh, didn't uh... – didn't Benavides and, and Mighty Mouse's fight a little while ago? Well, they fought twice, and yeah. uh, Timmy Elliott went the distance recently with uh, Mighty Mouse. I cannot see that fight happening, TJD. Yeah, I mean, again, so soon. I mean, it's but well, there aren't a problem with Mighty Mouse. He has now decimated the weight class two and a half times. Like he's, he's running his way through it. They don't have any new talent that even has a shot yet, so they got to get somebody new in there. 
Pettis is your next logical choice, but does he have the does he have the ability to get it? If he gets Suhudo, then Suhudo, then yes. And he's then he's he shows that he deserves a big back in there. Suhudo didn't do very well the first time. He always does better when he matches a guy again. This, this is even from his wrestling career. Like if he got beat by a guy the first time, he tends to beat him the second time. And so if he beats Pettis, it makes sense to put the, put Henry back in there. But man, who knows? With with Mighty Mouse, it's they're in a weird weird position. And and I saw a quote from him the other day. He's talking about how low the the, uh, uh, the the numbers were, the viewership. Like it got worse as it got further and further along. And let's be honest. Uh, the only reason, you know, if you look at Mike Tyson's pay per view buys in his heyday, they kept getting less and less, and people couldn't figure out why because he was knocking guys out in ninety seconds. Because who the hell wants to pay back then? It was like forty five bucks. Who the hell want to pay forty five bucks to watch a guy fight for ninety seconds? So like, I just catch the highlights. You know, the fight's going to go the way the fight's going to go. So I'll just watch the highlights. The highlights basically give you the whole fight because you're just going to see that that the last 10, 15 seconds before the knockout when the knockout happens. Like I don't need to, need to buy the fight. It's kind of like what happens with Mighty Mouse. And people are like, why don't you even tune in? He's going to kick his ass. Like this guy is so good, I'm not even going to tune in. Well, like when people are doing it with Anderson Silva, it's because he was knocking guys in a loopy, weird sliding back. You know, we saw the you know everyone remembers the Forrest Griffin, Forrest throws three punches at him. Anderson slips all four punches, throws three punches, all land flush, and Forrest just falls out. Like, quack, quack, quack. And it's like, well, holy shit, that was fucking amazing. It was kind of weird. And it happened later. With Mighty Mouse, this is becoming, you know, in my opinion, it's becoming what well, he's just going to kick everybody's ass. So no one's paying attention. So his numbers are always going to be lower than everybody else's. Plus, he's small. You know, no one wants to see the small guy fight, at least in the States. Man, it's tough. It's tough. What are you going to do with this guy? You know, all, I, all I'm really concerned about with Mighty Mouse is are they actually going to give him the eight belts they owe, they owe him? They will. I think they will. I think. Uh, I mean, it's it's even if the maximum cost of those belts is fifteen hundred bucks, it's peanuts. It's peanuts for your champion. You know, I mean, we used to get belts for the promotion that I used to work with. Maximum was like one hundred ninety, two hundred bucks. They were nice belts. They're not UFC belts, but two hundred bucks. I mean, come on. Even but if it's fifteen hundred, that that's your world champion. So, like Randy Harris has one of Matt Hughes's belts down in Florida because Matt gave him one of his belts because he had like he had like nine of them at his house. So why does Mighty Mouse get one belt? Why and why does does uh, uh you know everybody else like who he mentions makes no sense. He's got three or four of them. Like why is that? Why is he the one that's not getting any belts? Even though he's the he's the pound for pound best champ and just tied Anderson Silva's record. Like how does he not have all the belts? We win, you get another belt. You, you know, whoever wins gets another belt. He gets here's my belt. Give it back to me at the end of the fight. Here's my belt. Give it back to me. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, if that's the way they do it for everybody, then I I would get it, but they don't. Yeah, and the one thing about, uh, you know, I think uh, Kyler James just nailed it. Very humble, too. He's an extremely humble guy. Yeah. Anytime I would, I, would, I would text with him or talk on the phone or even we would do a radio interview, he'd, he'd throw up, what's up, Pitbull? You know, it just, yeah. it's, it's the same dude. And then we would, we would literally talk about, you know, being fathers and, and talking about the wives and stuff like that. He's just a regular yeah. dude. Um, Roy Soria, you just jumped on. We're about to wrap up the show, Roy. Uh, I know you're saying hi to Showdown Joe. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. But thank you, as always, for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, if you missed most of the show, Roy, uh, you can catch it later on on iTunes and on Stitcher as well. Frank, before we let you go, I do want to ask you um, – the pound for pound debate when it comes to, or not the pound for pound debate, excuse me, the debate for the greatest of all time uh, that Mighty Mouse has now been included with the likes of George St. Pierre, John Jones, uh, and Anderson Silva. And on the outskirts, I guess you can make the argument for Jose Aldo Jr. Uh, and Fedor. Uh, I removed Fedor and, and, and Aldo from my equation when I, when I put together a piece on FightfulMMA.com. And I just went through uh, John Jones's opponents, Anderson Silva's opponents, George St. Pierre's opponents and Muddy Mouse's opponents. I took a look at their their finishing rates, uh, and I took a look at the times they've been defeated. 
I also took a look at the fact that Anderson Silva has competed in a division above his regular 185-pound division and was victorious at 205 pounds. John Jones has yet to compete in a division above his, although I believe trending-wise the future for him uh, will one day be at heavyweight. George St. Pierre has never competed. Uh, has never competed at, at, at 185 pounds, but he will next against Michael Bisping, and I won't be surprised if he goes down to lightweight uh, after his fight with Michael Bisping. Uh, Demetrius Johnson has competed twice at 135 pounds or more, but lost. His only two defeats have come at 135 pounds. So you have got this weird sort of chasm of who's the greatest of all time? Where does Mighty Mouse fit in there? Uh, I don't. I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done by almost all of these guys before we can determine who the greatest of all time is. What do you think? You just mentioned guys are all, every single guy you mentioned is still fighting. There's not one yeah. guy in there that's, that's not fighting. You can't have a conversation of the greatest of all time until, until everyone's done fighting. So when Spinks was fighting, Leon, you know, he's, he's going to be one of the greatest of all time. He's going to be one of the greatest of all time. Then Tyson knocked him out and that stopped that conversation. Then now, years later, what's the debate in boxing? There's no other names being mentioned as the greatest of all time in boxing other than Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. They're not even talking about Floyd Mayweather because he just retired. You can't talk about a guy of greatest of all time. And it's not a science. You're trying to go – you have to go back years later and go, okay, this is the quality. Like the, all that science you just put into to figuring that all, all that stuff out, you have to put that in, in five or ten years from now. You can't talk about greatest of all time. Right now, who the hell knows? These guys are still competing. You know, I thought Anderson Silva, when he got uh, scissor, scissor heel hook beat by Rio Chonin, should have retired. It was like, he's a great coach, he's a great man. And, like, he just needs to go ahead and, and, get, and hang this up. He doesn't have the game anymore. Like, he was, he was pretty good in pride. He wasn't great, like, but he doesn't have the game anymore. He's just going to get hurt. And he's got a real physical style. Uh, the, all the shoot box guys back there were all crushing each other. He, he needs to find his own way around. Like, get out. Get out of the game. And he gets on a run and becomes a pound pound best fighter in the world. I'm like, holy crap. Like, who knows what's going to happen to these guys? Money Mouse could go fight. He's, what, 30 years old? 31 years old? He can go fight. Yeah, he's still a, young. He can go fight another 10 years. And maybe he goes undefeated for 10 years. Well, now there's no debate. But right now we're having a debate because we don't know. But every single guy you just mentioned is still fighting. They're all still fighting. Fedor might, might go on another run. We don't know. He might have to get his, get his shit together and go back on another run. I doubt it because I'm looking at his body type and, and how fast he is now. Like He's going to fall apart. And I think Mitch Rion beats him up and, you know, when they finally get that fight together. But still, Anderson Silva... Don't ever count that kid out. He can go to another five fight, eight fight, you know, win streak, and all of a sudden be like, dude, I'm, I'm back to being, you know, top of the heap again. You know, John Jones could come back and get beat up by Daniel Cormier. Now we don't even have a conversation about John Jones anymore, you know, about being the greatest of all time. Because he gets, he goes, he goes away for a while and comes back. Right now we're talking about GSP. Say Bisbing knocks him out. GSP now that cannot be talked about in the greatest of all time. He's got beat up by, by Bisbing. So it's like you have these whole ratios. You have to wait till everybody's retired. I like your math, I like your analysis of how you put it together. It's just way too early to have these conversations. Yeah, I was just basically putting it together based on the questions uh, that were asked at the post-fight press conference and said, well, you know, if I, if I analyze all of this, there's still so much work to be done. There's so many yeah. what-ifs that you can't really make that debate just yet. Uh, before we let you go, there was uh, someone a couple of days ago uh, on my, uh, I think it was on my Twitter, that said uh, they were watching Lethal Weapon and they got to see Frank Trigg and they were very happy uh, and they had to remind me. Uh, so, yes. Uh, Frank does a lot of television work, does a lot of stunt work, does a lot of movie work. Uh, so next week at this time, who knows what will happen between now and next week. So, Frank, if you can give us a little hint of what your uh, life will be like over the next seven days. I'll be in Vegas next week, Thursday. I'm going back to go see the kids. So Jill and I take off Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday afternoon. We land Wednesday night. 
in the LA because I have a I have to ref. I'm refing on the 29th at Sportsman Lodge. There's a pro event for California for CSAC, um, California State Athletic Commission that I'm refing on the 29th. So we're going in a couple days early to go see the go see the kids and see our moms. Her mom's there and my mom's there, and then uh, see a couple of our friends, and then uh, drive back to drive back. So Thursday morning we do our we do it. It'll actually be uh, 9:30 in the morning for me, and I'll be at my mother-in-law's house uh, next week Thursday. Um, I, but all that could get canceled. I auditioned for an NDA Marvel uh, Marvel job here in, in Hawaii, and they could change it because I think it, it shoots Wednesday, Thursday of next week. So I could literally be like, I have to change my plan. But okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta sit here and shoot. I gotta shoot these scenes before I take off. And then I have a big tour coming up. Uh, most of you know I do uh, uh, men's health seminars um, for hormone replacement for Universal Men's Clinic. So in June I'll be in Tucson. Austin, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, uh, Portland, Seattle, and Salt Lake City. I'll be in each one of those cities for like a day, a day and a half, bouncing around with like a week period. So I think pretty sure I got a, a quick like bounce around I'm going to be doing as well. So that's like, like this like a month or so. Interesting. Well, as long as we had, you got Wi-Fi, a good connection, yeah. headphones, yeah. and mic. We will talk to you every Thursday during this crazy tour that you're going to be on. As always, Frank, we do thank you for your time. We know it's super early there uh, in Hawaii. Uh, no, guys, he's not sweating. Uh, he's just under a, a, an interesting light. The lighting makes him look like he is cutting weight, although he did tell me he wishes he was cutting weight for something. But uh, yeah. life is a little bit easier for Frank right now. Um, Frank, as always, we do thank you. Make sure you guys, make sure you follow him online at Frank Trigg. He does man his own social media. There is no one there that he has hired that will handle it. Uh, so if he doesn't reply right away if you're worthy of a reply he likely will reply but you got to give him time because as you saw his travel schedule is absolutely insane and will be insane and he could be on a movie set he could be at three four o'clock in the morning uh waiting for the hurry up and wait that you have to go through whenever you do it so he might be too tired he might not have caffeine he may be overly caffeinated and especially on 420 uh you know actually no you don't you don't have much thc you, you got cbd in your stuff so well you no, should be no, fine it's, it's too early i gotta wait till uh uh jill gets up before i can and finish these. I don't want to. I don't want to come on here too stoned. Like, that's just nuts. <laughs> there you go. So you don't know what type of state Frank is going to be in uh, when he does reply. But he, if if you're worthy of a reply, you like it and stuff, please follow him at Frank Trigg. You can follow us here at Fightful MMA at Fightful MMA. Uh, go to FightfulMMA.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. Tell a friend, kids. Just tell a friend at Showdown Joe on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Uh, I post a lot of my craziness, not just MMA. Related example right now. As soon as I'm done with Frank, I'll tweet out the information. I now have to head to the east part uh, of Toronto, take care of some some business uh, for my other businesses. Uh, so I've got a busy day uh, ahead uh, and continue. So follow me on social media. I kind of give a little glimpse uh, as to what's happening. I'll be posting probably videos very very soon uh, as to more uh, of what I'm doing. Uh, but to all of you that came on live, we thank you very much in the live chat. Whoever tuned in live with us, we thank you. Even if you haven't posted a comment or question. We thank you as well, those uh, that tune in afterwards uh, on iTunes and on Stitcher. Tomorrow, likely around noon, maybe 1 p.m., if I can get him out of bed at 10 a.m., it'll be Sean Ross Sapp and I uh, talking about this Saturday's UFC event, uh, which is still puzzling to many of us with Artem Lobov in the main event versus Cub Swanson. But it's a pretty good card. But you know that Sean Ross Sapp's going to lose his marbles for now. I say thank you to all, and we say ciao for now. We'll see you guys tomorrow on the Fightful MMA podcast. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. 
After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.